Hello, everyone, and welcome to Natural Geekery, a podcast about the multifaceted world of gaming, role-playing, and creativity, as well as its vast community. This is Episode 5. I'm Brian. Welcome aboard. So, for this particular episode, I'm going to pretty much just jump right into the interview. I had a wonderful time interviewing my guest, and we had so much fun uh, rambling about and talking and getting distracted. I think you're going to enjoy it too, so this is actually going to be a two-parter. I was scrambling around trying to figure out how to edit this thing down to my usual, you know, 20 minutes, and then uh, I thought, you know what, we're just going to do a two-parter. So my guest is Daniel McDevitt, uh, my buddy, my pal. I've known him for quite some time, and he is a graphic designer, and he has oodles of experience as a role player and a dungeon master slash game master. And um, yeah, we just, I think there's some interesting stories to hear. So I'm going to pretty much let the interview speak for itself. Now the sound quality does change. I was interviewing him in his apartment, so there's a little bit of a change there. I hope it won't be too jarring. And yeah, that's it. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, see you on the other side. All right. I am here today with a very dear friend of mine. His name is Daniel McDevitt, and we have been gamer buds for quite some time. And I wanted to take some time, ask you a few questions about our shared uh, likes and hobbies, and kind of get your input on some things involving them. So welcome aboard. Greetings programs. Greetings. Greetings programs. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. Hey, it dates me. <laughs> to what? The original Tron. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The dude himself. Oh my god. Okay. The dude himself. All right. Okay. Greetings program. I failed that. I failed that pop quiz. I'm sorry. There'll be more. Okay. All right. So Daniel, kick us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your skills, uh, where you're coming from, who you are. Well No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> um the the short version of it is is um Whenever I ask anyone asking me currently, what do you do? What is your thing? I say, well, I speak Adobe. Ah, and for okay. those of us who, out there who don't know what I'm talking about, no, I don't speak about, you know, mud hut constructions. I speak uh, Adobe programming or programs. Mm-hmm. I've been with uh, using Photoshop since version one and all the mm-hmm. Adobe and grown with them and all the mergers that have happened. And basically anything uh, media wise that um comes out whether it's web design or print design or or photoshop manipulation uh i have expertise in that uh having gone training and conferences and so forth and it's part of my professional background but um other than that uh personally i'm oldest of three children grew up uh on a farm with a horse and uh (laughs) and was able to play in the woods you know and stuff and go off on adventures but then life happens and we had to move to the city and I went to high school in the city. So I've had country and okay. uh, a little bit, a little bit of rural. Yeah. A little little bit bit of urban. urban. Okay. A little bit of both. Right. All right. So what do you do now? I currently work, uh, using what's called the, I always, I'm not sure about this term, the, uh, content management system, which is a web, uh, orientation, but I also work and do print, uh, documentations for uh, university. Okay. Okay. And it's my professional job. Okay. And then, so how long, so you've been doing graphic design and similar elements since you said, uh, since Photoshop 1 
Can can we throw a date on that? Um, actually, I'm sure we'd have to look it up. I can't <laughs> right? myself. I, I know that know. it's at least pre '90s. Uh, of course, in 1985, as when the Macintosh came out, when the lady threw the hammer at the screen, that you know everything mm. changed, everything changed, <clears throat> and that's yeah. when we and when Windows happened. Um, so soon after that is when Adobe happened, and that's when Photoshop came out. And I didn't really enter into it until the late '80s, probably around then. Um, God, throwing throwing back a program called PageMaker. Uh, which doesn't exist any longer. It was a layout program, but that, that's that's right. here and near here. They're there. It's a different but, podcast. But basically, I've always <laughs> yeah. my part of my creative process. Yeah. Either it's um, creating game content. Uh, or doing my professional work has always been computer-based. Um, mm-hmm. Working with software, um, I have so many friends who say, you know, whenever I want to complain about having a good computer, they say, "Well, just build one." And I have to remind them, I'm not the hardware guy. Right. I am the software guy. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about all this CPU, yada 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 stuff. It's like I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the expertise of, of of being able to work on a car or not. You right. Know, I know where spark plugs are, and I know what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can change those. But <laughs> beyond that, no. <laughs> but and if and if uh, if you were to ask them about the CMYK of a particular color, right? Then... I do get the whole look of that when you talk, talk, start talking about RGB, CMYK, yeah, PNG, right. GIFs. You know, and we're not going to get into the whole GIF GIF conversation. Let's just avoid that. No, right? let's yeah. just yeah. we're gonna moving on. Let's okay. <laughs> let me look at the next question. Um, <laughs> So back to more on point for the podcast. Um, how did you uh, how did you discover RPGs and or storytelling? Um, mainly RPGs. We'll start there. Like, what was your what were your first go tos? I was re- reflecting on that and having recently gone through some uh, old materials that I've, I've kept over the years. Um, definitely early high school. I uh, as far as RPG games are concerned, um, I did have a Dungeons and Dragons game back in the late seventies, early eighties. And um, quite a, quite a infamous one, um, and uh, but then then from there I became a dungeon master for local local uh, friends, and then when I graduated high school and went to college, I actually my especially my first year of uh, school I was the dungeon master for a group of, of friends I met there. Okay. And you've you've been doing DMing and dungeon mastering and game mastering for a while now. We're to, I want to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, probably not going to put an exact age on it, but it has been decades. Yeah, off and on. It has not always happened. There have been lulls and so forth. Life sure. happens, etc. Sure. Yes. You and you you mentioned. I have to ask. You mentioned an infamous game. I it caught my attention. Well, so my initial game was a D and D game, and I for, for the life of me cannot remember the uh, exact campaign if there was one i think it was a mixture i do remember we played a module called the dark tower and the dark tower was by paul jaquis and the um judges guild this is back i was gonna say it sounds like a dnd yeah it was a green cover you can look it up on the internet it's out there i believe there's a redone version for uh, fifth edition which i will be buying soon because i'm thinking about it but in that game um it was a friend of mark and greg who are a year older than i in high school um, all I remember from that was a hell of a lot of fun, and I went weekly, but my party member Greg actually killed my ranger. Oh, no. My first character ever, a guy named Cornelius, lawful good, minding his own business. Hey, this sword is cool. He wanted the sword. He killed me for it. The oh, no. dungeon master allowed it. Mm-hmm. And um, that left a lasting impression. Oh, man. Now, I played another character for later and kept going until we all graduated. Or until they graduated and went up to college. And then I had my senior year. But that was... That left an impression. It, it burns. It burns. It, and, like, stings. I, well, uh, and also yeah. taught me 
how not to dungeon master. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we learn by, yeah, we learn yeah, by I mistakes. had a lot of experiences like that. Like, oh, I, that's how not to do that. Okay, yeah. Fine. Yes. We learn by mistakes or other people's mistakes mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, and what is it with rangers? That ranger was my first character that died as well. And I think it's because life. I grew up in the woods. I think a lot of folks who grew up in the woods are yeah. like, uh, see, yeah. with Druids or rangers, but the rangers. And also, to be quite candid, it's Lord of the Rings. Sure. I mean, you, you hear that uh, Aragorn is a ranger, and then mm-hmm. there's a whole company of folk that are his people. Uh, Right. Or at least his company that are rangers, and they're just they're the ones in the wild who can, you know, hide and and hunt and seek and sure. just make it sense, especially yeah. when going to the wilderness. That's, that's what got me. That's mm-hmm. that. That's my still do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Current character ranger. <laughs> Rangers. Um, okay, so. So just going back in the Wayback Machine, or even even currently, um, have you ever received grief or been harassed for playing D&D, for being a gamer geek? I think we all get it in high school, but yeah, just yeah. Any, anything. Actually, um, I haven't been reflecting on it. I actually do not recall a single time that happened to me. That's great. Either that it was because of the suburban area I lived in, that it was becoming more up. There was the whole satanic panic, right? and that actually may have fueled my attention to walk away from from it in the mid 80s i think it's one that happened i can't remember the exact time it happened but yeah that's um right. and uh because i graduated high school in 81 and then went to college and i did one year of, of that and actually made my to be quite candid my grades suffered because i was doing other things than studying and i wasn't a program i shouldn't have been no doing no yeah, i'm shocked shocked no, I shocked we're yes. so shocked yes, yes there's rolling dice but i, I <laughs> other than odd looks i don't recall any kind of harassment or saying you're going to go to heck right or, or, the, yeah, yeah, or yeah. somewhere yeah. okay <laughs> okay you're wrong your fun is wrong as, as they say right yeah. what yeah. yeah somebody saying your fun is wrong i've never understood i will never that. say that to anybody i no. respect people's right to choose their fun absolutely i may not want to do it but that's me Right. And you, you go you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the gaming, in the role-playing, I mean, I know you also do board games, but your main focus is pretty much on role-playing, right? Right. I mean, I've dabbled in card games in the past. Mm-hmm. I've, um, there was the whole Heroclix phase about 10 years ago. The, oh, minu- yeah. the miniature hero games that were still very popular, like your War Machine and stuff like that. But there was a specific kind that had stats on them, so they combined it. And I got really into that for a while and even won a tournament uh, undefeated one time. Um, just because I was, it was chess with superheroes the way mm-hmm. I was looking at it, so it was interesting. But um, uh, yeah, mostly uh, board games um, and uh, really the role playing games, and they've come back and forth. And not as a sideline, but of course video games as right. well. But right. that's another whole that's but, another yeah. whole conversation. But those are there. Role, but role I want to touch on that maybe. Well, but, role yeah. playing games specifically, like uh, uh, not that all. Bioware makes all of the uh, good RPG games, but most of theirs in the early days yeah. are the ones you point to. Exactly. And I think in those days of computer games, they were relying heavily on role-playing games. Yes. And even Fallout, a lot of people don't realize this, that uh, Fallout 0 or Fallout 1, the very mm-hmm. first Fallout game was based on the GURPS engine by Steve oh, Jackson. That. that's... And that's why, and it was very complicated and in-depth. In um, it was very heavily based on the GURPS engine. And I've seen that in several games where they sort of, you know, even some of the early D&D, like Pool of Radiance okay. games, you know, those were definitely D&D. But I think they pulled on that storytelling aspects. And I know your love, Mass Effect, mm-hmm. right, very much is, so. is right. very much a big love I mean, I'm a yours. fan of Dragon Age, but Dragon Age, uh, Medieval, uh, Sword and Sorcery, even though I play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, isn't my computer game love, but the Mass Effect series or any good sci-fi that gets my attention right. uh, definitely has. Right. Uh, but the Mass Effect trilogy specifically has always had my attention. 
In regards to gaming, uh, what are, what have been some of your favorite storylines, or just one particular favorite storyline of yours? And we, you know, what comes to mind when you think that was an amazing story? I think recently um, uh, the company known as Paizo, who comes up with a, uh, took the Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition and created a uh, Pathfinder game based right. on based on that as a ground zero, and they made it better. A lot of people call it you know 3.5 plus or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. But uh, they came out with what are known as adventure paths, and they would create uh, six books over six months, and it took characters from a beginning level all the way to a certain level. And their stories were very intertwined, and it was up to the GM. But I was blessed to have a GM about four years ago, five years ago, and ran this um, one scenario called The Iron Gods, which was basically taking Dungeons and Dragons and mixing in space stuff. Which was like, I think it's the Borderlands, the old Mm -hmm. school module. was very much in the spirit of that. Okay. And um, I played it through to the end with uh, the final big boss battle. And our characters were as the 18th, almost 20th level by the time we finished. Okay. And I was a bard, but with a little bit of gunslinger. Because I got to, I was a half-orc bard who got to use (laughs) laser rifles. Oh man! And Tasty. I was, yeah, it was that, and that, that but that the experience. Oh, and and we played it, you know, over the last over two years. There mm. were four, four or five of us together, and we all shared this story, and it kept growing and growing and growing. Granted, it was kind of a scripted uh, story because of the adventure path, but sure. we did a lot of our own stuff. It leaves room for improvisation. Most of the good, most good modules do. Right. The story is always different. You read, talk to people who played this thing; they're all going to have different stories. And then it was that it was that shared experience. Sure, of experience. those two years. Plus, I mean, as a lover of pulp, right? In general, a sci-fi pulp, especially growing up with Edgar Rice Burroughs and reading things like Tarzan and John Carter of Mars uh, in my early years, and just loving that kind of uh, that kind of genre, right. Flash Gordon, etc. Uh, the original. Um, that was added into that experience. That one, that one in particular, was a recent uh, memory that I do recall. It's okay. really wonderful. Okay, so let me back over to another question, which is: Can you remember like the specific moment uh, when you had the epiphany that holy cow, this is this is more than a game. That this is powerful. That that this is about storytelling. This is about personal mythology to a certain extent. Like, do you have a moment in there that's like, oh my gosh, that this 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 is it. Not necessarily this is it, but this is powerful. I think it was the, in retrospect, it was me realizing, and even even today, just thinking about it, that the death of that first character way back in high school, uh, yeah. you know, left okay. an impact. And I didn't realize at the time, it, it, I guess I could say it pissed me off or I was sure. disappointed with the fact that they basically let that happen. Right. Isn't that an evil act? And it was a whole kind of inner debates with myself. But I wanted to keep playing and these guys were cool. So I shut up and, get, and played another character. Right. Um, but uh, that was provided for me, unfortunately. But um, but thinking about it, they said, "Well, that left a mark, and that's like told me that's real because I remember that, mm-hmm. you know, so many plus years later as a moment." And so that made it real. I've had um, the before mentioned Iron Gods. There are a number of storytelling. But there's also like victories that you remember. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, there is one. Uh, once again, another adventure path. I ran a uh, favorite. Um, I'm not shilling for paizo but i'm talking about their world mm-hmm. they have a thing called the rise of the rune lord which is an epic uh thing about kind of like king priests that that went into hibernation there's a big cataclysm it's like atlantis and they come back in modern day and they're trying to take over the world okay that type of thing so your characters are fighting against that when well, the very very last boss battle 
they're fighting this person and we were this was the time when paizo was just going to coming out with betas and alphas of their rule set so it was always changing we were trying it out mm-hmm. we were also playing with critical hit cards and critical fail cards so if you roll a 20 you draw from the deck if oh you draw, no okay yeah if you draw a one you draw from the deck okay and the the last battle cultivated in the fighter choosing a got a critical hit Mm-hmm. And they all and the players actually said, "Here's the deck of cards." And they shuffled them and put them out there and said, "You choose." And I reached out and I chose the card, and it was instant decapitation. Oh, the one card that was an instant kill. We had all agreed as a, as a table, right? To, to commonly right. to play it this way, okay. and I chose the card, and I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they're just blown away. Great right. victory that everybody remembers to this day. Right. See, we tell that story. The story sticks with you. The war stories. The, yeah. You know, the, mm-hmm. the the war stories of. You know, holy cow, we were there and this happened. I know that you have done a lot of game mastering over the years. And I know from a few years ago, um, you were doing a considerable amount. And I wanted to kind of touch on this and ask a few follow-up questions. But how many games have you been running in like one week? Uh, D&D, Pathfinder, any role-playing game? How well, there was, a, there was a time during the aforementioned uh, Iron God uh, adventure that was run by somebody else. So I was actually a player for once. And I okay. was really enjoying that. Okay. Um, that I was also running um, my own adventure path for those same people or a, a mix of the similar people. And uh, between some of the uh, open play games that happened every week, I was having per, uh, a couple weeks there, probably about three years ago, where I was having three or four games a night wow. or a week. Excuse me, a week, a yeah. week. Yes, uh, no, I'm not, I don't. I don't <laughs> I'm not that guy, uh, <laughs> that person. Um, but uh, that was definitely, um, but uh, allowed me to play, but also to run, and it was very enjoyable. But it was also a little bit too much. A Got lot to of ba- work. But balancing it out, yeah. The adventure paths are pre-made, so they do to help you um, but now running a homebrew I'm appreciating the, having those yeah. a lot those right games now. too you were how many players are we talking full tables of six um, or? with the home game generally I would keep it down from four to five okay. um, six is kind of the maximum I want to work with this to allow for role play within the table especially for an ongoing game mm-hmm. uh, over a long period of time and that's the scheduling gets harder. Uh, I think everybody can relate to this. Is the scheduling of, of especially for, for us who are adulting mm-hmm. um, these days, uh, just getting people together is, is a challenge. Right. And uh, we've been lucky, strangely enough. Knock on. I'm actually going to knock on wood. There we go. Because we've been lucky. With we have the, been incredibly the, the, lucky. The, the campaign we've been running for two years, game. but we'll get back to that later. Yeah, we're, well, yeah that's More. coming up. Um, <laughs> so... I, I did want to get back to that one point about uh, we you asked earlier about creativity and uh, how, when you knew certain things were oh yeah yeah um, sure. I'm just going to speak quickly um, no because the story it, it involves storytelling too and this gets back to before high school this is fifth grade I remember this distinct it's one of those memories that just really sticks with you and luckily it was a good memory not a bad memory um, in my fifth grade class um, which was an all you know grade school high school uh, um, covered everything math reading on one big one teacher. We had a competition one time, and out of the blue, and they said, um, we're going to take this story, and we're going to draw this art, and you're going to, uh, it's going to be a competition. And the, the art was of the, what are known as the Blue Willow Plates. Now, they are old plates that I was researching a little bit. I'm not an expert on folklore, but this was uh, plates from the uh, China that were based on 
uh, painted plates that were based on a Chinese tale that kind of is like Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lovers who decide to be together and run away from their uh, emperor slash uh, domineering father of the, of the bride, and they run off and actually become nightingales in the mists, mm, much okay. like, I mean, it's, uh, once again, I'm giving an abridged version of it. I'm not an expert in folklore, but I remember this because the plate is very intricate and has patterns, and um, we were to draw it on a paper plate using a ballpoint pen. Oh wow! Okay, so I went crazy with it. <laughs> and, oh, so by crazy you meant like super detailed? Uh, as best just... I could for giving you the fifth grade. Okay. And a ballpoint pen and a paper plate. And granted, this was the seventies. Um, I finished mine in two days. Okay. Everybody else couldn't keep up. We only had like an hour a day to do it because we had other other subjects. So a little uh, art, a little math, and like that. And then everybody else got another week or two. Yeah. Yeah, I won first prize. Yeah, I won first prize. That's that's amazing. I'm not, you know, kind of my laurels, but that the mythology of that story and the art of this and recreating it on a paper plate, that alone just that's the first spark that I can remember of my own personal passion towards stories. Right, and that that you said spark, and I'm thinking ignition, mm-hmm. like an ignition source where you're like, holy cow, this. I love this stuff. And this is when I was living in the woods where I had the 12 acres of woods that I lived with. And I had a horse and I was riding. But so I was like, you know, 10 10 years old or so in that time of age. So I'm going to, uh, you actually have, uh, you can't see it through the microphone, unfortunately. Yes, you can look it up on the internet, though. But I'm going to take a picture of this plate that he has. He he has a copy of this. uh, Was it this plate specifically or something like it? It was a larger version. Okay. uh, This is actually, I believe this is the plate that I got in fifth grade as a present okay. i was given a Very plate cool. a saucer and a cup okay over the years i've lost the plate and the cup but i still have the little saucer i'm gonna be i'll take a picture of this plate and so you guys can see the intricate detail that's on here it'll be and on actually, the show notes we page might be able to find the one i drew too. oh wow that I would I be fun if you have that i have it I have okay Okay, so the spark, the spark was this this blue plate, this blue willow plate. Right, and it just that's that cool. one thing I just remember. I mean, for fifth grade, that's amazing. Other than perhaps embarrassing moments or whatever moments, that m- moment is what I remember. Yeah. Um, from uh, that, that was like a, kind of a, a first first imagination spark. Right. And this is like pre Star Wars. This is pre. We're talking the early seventies, actually. Yeah. Now I think about the math. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, thanks for that. That's cool. Thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that story. I, I sometimes it. forget it. Uh, oh, yeah, I did that thing. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> and that's going to be the end of this uh, part one of the interview with Daniel McDevitt. I hope you've enjoyed it. Part two will be up next week with the next episode. And we're going to talk a little bit more about role-playing games and his experiences as a game master slash storyteller slash dungeon master. So if you like this, you're probably going to like the one next week as well. I I always enjoy talking with Daniel. We always laugh and cut up, go on tangents, have a good time, uh, lose track of time. But uh, I've really enjoyed having him on the show. I want to thank him for being a part of it. Um, If you are uh, enjoying this podcast and what I'm doing here, please consider sharing it on social media or mentioning it to your friends. I'm a new podcast on the hill, so to speak. So any way to increase the audience, I'd be super grateful for. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, uh, please consider uh, clicking subscribe on the podcast app of your choice that you're listening to this now. If not, you can go over to my website, naturalgeekery.com 
www.thinkingmusicgroup.com. Click subscribe and that will kick you an email anytime I put up a blog post and or make an announcement for a podcast episode. So there's a couple different ways to do that. If you have any comments or questions or you would like to be interviewed, which I would I would love to interview you, so you can contact me at naturalgeekery at gmail.com. You can also catch me over on Twitter at Coyote Guy, where I'm usually posting stuff there every day, and I'm pretty good about getting back to you on DMs or replies. So feel free to contact me in either one of those two places. And that's going to be it, folks. Thanks for listening and As always, remember, you're needed out here. Make a plan, roll some dice, have fun, be a good person. I'm going to see you on the next one. Talk to you later.